Hello friend, I am Maria, and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, higher realms, the mysteries of the universe, and source consciousness. I use hypnosis to get into a deep theta state where I am able to connect to and embody my higher self. Enjoy! My dear friend, I believe you are an alchemist, someone capable of creating through a seemingly magical process. You are a bridge between the energy state of things and manifested reality. You are a being of power. All you need is the right level of guidance. My new book titled 72 Keys to Manifestation is here to help. To find out more or to get your copy, visit thisismaria.com. It is T-H-I-S-I-S-M-A-R-I-Y-A.com. Hello, hello, and welcome to the next episode, the new episode of Conversations with My Higher Self. It has been forever. I am so thrilled that I get to do this one more time with you guys. Um, Today, uh, per usual, at this point, I'm going to be tapping into the breadth of the collective human consciousness um, and we're going to be having a conversation an open-ended conversation um, so at any point in time I will be present to what you guys are thinking uh, how you guys are feeling and this I'm going to try to probably make this one as interactive as possible although the topic that we're going to be taking on today is quite dense it is dense it is complicated it is thrilling for me anyhow because there's just so much confusion. Oh my God, there has been a lot of confusion about this topic on the face of the planet. And literally, as I'm scanning the planet, no matter what timeline I take, no matter what rendition um, uh, of this planetary consciousness I take, whether past, present, or future, there has been confusion about the concept of time. So we shall be talking about the concept of time today to the best of our ability because we are going to be constrained by uh, time, um, interestingly enough. So there's only so much we can tackle in this one session. This episode has been inspired by one of our listeners, one of the podcast listeners, um, a lady. Um, she will rename unnamed, but um, I am very, very grateful. Um, I have received a message from her um, on Instagram. Uh, by the way, I am on Instagram at this is Maria official. And if you have any questions, you may um, send me questions via like a DM or just a comment on one of the posts. But um, she was wondering about time. And um, specifically, she was very curious, right? If time is an illusion, and everybody in the spiritual circles keeps saying that time is an illusion, you know, there is no such thing as time, no such thing as past, present, and future, you know, we should live in the now anyhow, right? And she was trying to understand it, to perceive it from the perspective of source, which um, I find fascinating when somebody tries to take the perspective of source. Uh, because I think that leads to some pretty fascinating line of thinking, right? And so what this lady was confused about was if everything happens in the now, right, from the perspective of source, um, and essentially, right, 
time does not exist where source is, right? So how come if source already knows the outcome of every single decision that's ever been made, right? How come do we still have to go essentially through the motions, right? How come do we as beings have to incarnate and, you know, do the whole past, present and future thing if source already knows what the outcome is, right? And can probably perceive that quite instantaneously. Right. So I think um, that was kind of like one of the questions that she raised about time, time as a concept, past, present and future. But in general, as I'm scanning the human collective, there has hardly been a topic that is quite as controversial as time or quite as misunderstood as time as well. So I am excited to dive deep with you guys today. Uh, towards the end of this, we will have some questions. So if you have anything that you have been curious about as it relates to time as a construct, um, do hold on to that thought, bookmark it, do whatever you need to do. I may have time for it later. On that note, let's dive right in. All right, so maybe let's start at the top, right? Since we're talking about source consciousness. Um, some of it may be repetitive, but because we're talking a very specific we're we're having a very specific topic today anything and everything that i say is going to lead us to hopefully a greater understanding about this very ephemeral concept of time that creates so so much confusion especially for you know the more awakened uh, part of humanity everybody who's questioning the status quo everybody who's questioning what reality we live in um anybody and everybody who's attempted to study the matrix and what it's all about so I do love this topic. It's quite dense. And you're going to, you know, I'm going to just be very upfront with you. Some of what I'm going to say, you're going to have to perceive with more than your intellect, right? So despite the fact that in any type of language converse, in any conversation where we use language, um, we're essentially using the left brain, Um Right. So your more analytical brain, your more uh, language processing brain, your more logical brain. Um, I would ask you to perceive what I'm saying from your heart space, because that is the type of perception that would enable you to meet me at my level to the best of your ability. Because if you're just trying to intellectu uh, like intellectualize essentially this conversation, if you're going to try to approach it from a position of you know, white is white and black is, uh, is black, you may find this particular concept really, really hard to understand and really, really hard to process, right? So just wanted to put it out there. You know, if you're trying to tune in and really understand one of the mysteries, uh, time is certainly a, a very ancient mystery, a very, um, shall I say, deep construct, concept, uh, you may want to open up your heart space, your heart chakra, Right. For those of you that don't know how to do that, you would literally would want to imagine as you're listening to my voice that your consciousness is dropping into your heart space center, right? Um, you can imagine like riding in an elevator and that elevator is kind of like going up and down you know, the different chakras that you have and that elevator just stopping in your heart space. And then as you exit that elevator, everything is green and emerald, right? And then in that green and emerald space, you can really feel everything in your heart center just open up and glow and you yourself just kind of like start emanating this beautiful emerald light so this is kind of like the state that you would need to be in in order to understand what we're going to be talking about 
So let's start with source, right? I think one of the bigger misconceptions that I would like to address right away is, you know, does everything happen in the now? Is there past, present, and future? How does source perceive things, right? Uh, but in order to answer that, let us maybe discuss one more time, you know, for some of you, this may be repetitive, the game that source is playing. By the way, by the way, source is a concept, as a construct, right? The absolute God, however you want to call him, or her, however you want to call it, is a concept, a construct that exists outside of time and outside of space. So it exists outside of time-space reality, also known as the matrix. So source exists outside of the matrix, right? The number one thing that we need to make clear is the matrix is a byproduct of source consciousness. It is one of the tools of existence, right? That's why I think in our conversation around time, it is really, really important to understand what time is outside of this time-space reality and what time is within this time-space reality because the answer is going to be very, very different. I think that a big chunk of confusion around this construct happens when people mix up the two. So when you mix up the two realities, right, the reality of source and the reality of time-space, and, you know, that is when the definitions get really, really fuzzy, right? And that is where the limitations of the human language become really, really apparent. So I want to help you navigate this tumultuous seas and start at source level, right? So the game that source is playing right now, and it has been playing this for some time now, and it will be playing this game for some time more, is this. At one point, source became present to the fact that it does not know itself, right? Now, there have been many other games prior to this rendition of the game um, of, you know, that, that source consciousness plays, right? There have been many. Source has been obsessed with many different things, right? So as a being, as a consciousness, as an entity, it gets obsessed with different things over time. Um, the obsession prior to this was achieving perfection, right? So there have been many cycles, many eons where source wanted to achieve perfection for itself, right? And then there have been many different discovery cycles for source of what perfection means, right? And then how to achieve it. We are in the cycle after the search for perfection. And this cycle can be titled the, the search for understanding, right? And in this particular cycle, what source got present to is the fact that it doesn't know itself. And I think that each of you, you know, sitting in your home or whatever you are, wherever we caught you in this moment in time, can probably relate to that. The hardest person to know is oneself. The hardest being to understand is oneself. Our biggest blind spots are always going to be related to us, right? It's a lot easier to look at another being and say, well, they're this and that and the other. And it is a lot harder to be impartial and objective about ourselves. Harder, if not impossible, right? So that is precisely the case for source consciousness as well. So in this cycle of learning, in this cycle of existence, source decided that it wants to understand itself. That being said, 
everything is cyclical. That is the one thing. So in the same way, and like I'm going to draw a very, very, very general analogy. And I do hope that you guys forgive me because this is like a stretch. What I'm going to say right now is a stretch, but I need you to be I need you to be on the same page with me. In the same way that your life, right, is a long life. And we can think of this current incarnation of your existence as a cycle, right? That you came to experience, to explore, etc. And you're learning something in that cycle. You have your objectives and whatnot, right? In the same way, source is kind of going through an incarnation, if you will. And again, please pardon this analogy because I'm saying this and I'm like, oh my God, this is like too much of an overgeneralization. But please bear with me for this. So in this current incarnation, source decided that it wants to know itself, right? But in the same way, right, if you're thinking about your current incarnation, your incarnation is not one long day. Your incarnation is a series of cycles, right? There are small cycles, such as minutes, slightly bigger cycles, such as hours, even bigger cycles, such as days, and then they turn into months and then they turn into years, et cetera, et cetera. But it's a cyclical existence, right? Um, So it's kind of like one smaller cell and then kind of like that multiplies and then it's like larger cell, et cetera, et cetera. So in the same way that your existence is not just like a perpetual day, the cycle, this particular cycle of, of source or this particular incarnation of source is also divided into sectors. And one of the ways that I like to think about it and one of the ways that I like to describe it is it's a, it's a cycle of inhalation and exhalation. So essentially, it's a breathing cycle, a cycle of breath, right? One complete cycle, like the, the mini cycle, the mini version of the cycle, is starts with an in-breath, like an inhale, then and ends with a complete exhale, right? So that is one complete cycle as it relates to source consciousness. You know, maybe not dissimilar to your own breathing cycles, right? You know, we could count your existence through breaths instead of counting your existence through minutes or seconds or whatnot, right? Now, um, that is where I'm going to start bringing you closer to the question at hand um, that this lady asked. And the lady, uh, the lady asked, well, if source, you know, is going through this process of understanding itself, wouldn't it instantaneously know itself? And the answer is it would not. And here's why. So one of the things that I've mentioned in quite a number of actually previous episodes is that the concept of time does not truly exist the way we understand it, the way you guys understand it, does not exist for source consciousness. And and it doesn't take, quote unquote, time for source to align with that which it desires. In other words, let's imagine a very humane example. If Source wanted, I don't know, a five-bedroom home, Source could manifest the five-bedroom home instantaneously. If Source wanted the waters of, I don't know, the Pacific Ocean to turn yellow, it could manifest that instantaneously. If Source wanted for planet Earth to have another satellite, like a second or a third moon, it could manifest that instantly. Do you see what I mean, right? So it's instant manifestation. Manifestation for source consciousness doesn't take time. However, and this is what's interesting. And again, the question was, well, why wouldn't source essentially already know what all the answers are? Like, why wouldn't source know that? And the answer is desire. There is a concept of desire that kind of messes up the otherwise 
perfectly balanced system of trying to know oneself. And I'll explain what that means. In the same way that you go through your life, creating new desires all the time, so does source. What would be an example from your life? I don't know. Uh, did you guys realize that? Did you, did you know that you're like desire making machines? Here's what I mean by that. I don't know. You're browsing Instagram or you're browsing a social media platform. You get served an ad for a pair of sneakers. All of a sudden you develop a desire for sneakers, not just any, but those, like those particular ones that you saw in the ad. I don't know. Maybe they're green and they have like a nice funny logo or something cute. I don't know. And, you know, prior to that moment in time, you did not even think about sneakers. You could not care less about a new pair of sneakers and definitely not the green ones, right? In that moment in time, though, you got presented with an opportunity, right, to purchase something. All of a sudden, the desire was created in your body. All of a sudden, that jump started like a whole cycle of things, that did not exist before, such as, you know, you making the purchase or you not making the purchase because you can't afford it. All of a sudden, the desire to you, you, you catch my drift, right? In other words, you're going through life creating new desires. Desires range from small to medium to large. A desire, I mean, it could be anything, right? S sometimes you wake up and I'm like, I need a new degree. Maybe I need to go to college again. Or like, I need a second child or what have you, right? Or listen, my, my marriage is not working. So now my desire is to divorce or whatever that is, right? You know, it could be anything, right? So you are desire making machines. In other words, you get all kinds of new desires all the time and you don't even realize it, right? You don't realize how many cycles of desire creation you go through on a daily basis. Think about your breakfast, you know, what you want to have for breakfast is a process of you having a desire and fulfilling that desire, right? Because you're like, well, do I want the scrambled eggs or do I want like the, I don't know, the oatmeal, right? Or do I want nothing that is in my fridge and I actually want to, you know, go out and have breakfast elsewhere, right? All of those are like examples of like you having a particular desire, but that desire did not exist before, you know? Hardly ever do you think about what you're going to have for breakfast tomorrow, seven days in advance. It's kind of a sperm the moment desire. Where I'm going with this is, you're creating your world as you go along because you have a new set of desires all the time. Literally every day you create new desires. In other words, and let's go back to source consciousness. The reason I gave you this example in the first place is this. If source consciousness at one point in time created every single desire that every aspect of source would ever have in perpetuity, then yes. From that perspective, if that was a possibility, then in that moment in time, source consciousness would have aligned with everything that there would be to explore, to learn and to know about itself, you know, going through the process of those desires. But that is not how desire creation works, right? How desire creation works is this. It is, I, and I, um, I like to say this is an ever-expanding universe. What I mean by that is, what I mean by that is right now we're in a moment in time for source, right? We're in the moment in time in the incarnation of source where source consciousness is going through the inhalation process, the inhale, the expansion, right? That's why it's an ever expanding universe. Why? Because in the inhalation process, right? 
if you think about the human experience, your lungs are expanding to encompass as much air as is possible. And in that process, you are expanding as a consciousness, right? So source is going through that right now. In other words, in the different, within the different aspects of source, all these new desires are currently, are currently multiplying. And that is the process of expansion. Desire always creates expansion. Because desire propagates the fulfillment of that desire. It's almost like if the desire gets created, right, you know, source needs to align with it immediately. So the alignment is immediate, but not all desires get created all in one go. Because as the universe divides itself, right, so does the source. Or rather, the source divides itself, thus the universe divides itself, right? So the source keeps dividing itself into smaller and smaller particles over time. Now, each of these particles, by the way, has free will, right? And each of these particles now is operating outside of the constraints of a greater good, uh, sorry, of a greater whole, not the greater good, the greater whole, right? So now like all these part particles of source are separate. They're going through separation. And that is why they are free from groupthink. So here, it's an important concept to understand. Unity is actually groupthink, right? When you are one with source, when source is experiencing full unity consciousness, Every aspect of source operates as one being with one set of desires, one set of objectives, one set of everything else. As the source starts, the inhalation process starts dividing itself into multiple different aspects. And while each of these aspects represents source on some level, this aspect of source is also given a particular aspect of individuality. And as such, that individual aspect is going to develop desires that are unique to that aspect. And as such, that individual particle of light is going to start creating reality as it goes along, right? So it's going to start creating a desire and then aligning with that desire, creating a new desire and aligning with that new desire. Now, source does not control that. In fact, source wants to give free reign completely as much as possible to all of the particles of itself to go and desire things. So in the process of that desire creation, source can understand the different particles of itself and thus the entirety of itself, if that makes sense, right? In other words, because desires breed other desires, right? Um, it is a never kind of ending process or it is a process that has a lot of momentum, right? Now, at one point, there is going to be a tipping point at which, you know, point, um, you know, there would be a desire actually from source to start going back to unity. And that desire is going to launch the collapse of the system or the withdrawal of the system, the, the contraction of the system. But until that desire is created within source consciousness, it is going to be an ever-expanding universe. And I don't know if you've noticed, but your, your like sometimes like desires, they're also kind of like have almost like a chain reaction. You know, at first thing, like sometimes, like, like, let me, what would be like a good example? Um, like a good example would be, I don't know, um, you being hungry, right? Creates a desire to go out. You go into a restaurant, all of a sudden, you know, 
you're going into a restaurant creates a whole other set of desires. Like you look at the menu, you're like, well, I want this, that, and the other thing, right? All of a sudden, three more, if you're ordering three dishes, like three more desires. All of a sudden, you want dessert. That's the fourth desire. All of a sudden, there's, I don't know, like, I don't know, you saw like your girlfriend showed up and she's wearing this pink sweater and you're like, oh my God, this sweater is so cute. Now you have a new desire. In other words, you, the process of fulfilling your desires creates new desires, right? That is why if there is one thing that is guaranteed in this game of fulfilling desires is that there's always going to be more desires because uh, former desires uh, feed or create future desires, if that makes sense. Okay. Okay, that is source consciousness. In other words, source is going through a process of inhalation and exhalations, right? While still being on this larger journey of understanding and getting to know itself. It does not at any point in time know itself because new desires are getting created all the time. And that is one of the major means that source is using to understand what it is and what it's all about, right? Now, these desires come seemingly out of nowhere and kind of seemingly go out of nowhere. But this is a haphazard process. This is a process that is not a controlled process, right? So no, at, uh, source cannot know the entirety of itself in one second. Now, that being said, time, and that is where we get into the concept of time from, from the point of source. My dear friend, Please pardon this quick interruption. If you like our podcast, we ask that you please help us spread the light by leaving a review on Apple Podcast so that more people could discover our content. Thank you so much. Blessed soul. Time flows very different for source. So from the perspective of source, it would, be, it would not be incorrect to say that source exists in the now. It is not an incorrect statement because source does not care about time in the way that its particles do. And I will explain why. The reason time feels finite to the different aspects of source, right? And each of you as an individual aspect of source is this. If you are a little particle that came out of unity of everything, through the process of inhale, exhale, which would end in you going back into unity, then that means that the particular split that you are right now, right? That split that you are as a soul, that sparkle of light that you have is finite as it relates to the infinity of source. In other words, as the source is breathing in and breathing out, on the exhale, sorry, on the inhale, it takes in all the lungs, uh, all, all the air in the lungs. Um, and then the exhale, it releases the air. But once the, um, um, once the full exhale happens, it's actually the descent back into unity. So essentially in that one cycle, it goes from unity to unity. But the in-between is actually the process of separation. So in the in-between state, you, you were spit out of the greater organism of source as an individual entity, if that makes sense. However, once this breath is done, over and done with, 
you're going to go back to unity and you're going to lose your own individuality, which is part of the process. It is a very welcome process, right? But you're going to lose your individuality. So that would represent you the little death for you in some sense, right? That is why the concept of time really matters to you as an individual entity. Because that is all you have to experience yourself in the individual configuration that you exist in at this moment in time, right? So the, from the perspective of an individual entity, time between the in-breath and the out-breath is going to be equivalent to life or existence in one particular frame of, you know, reality, right? So for that individual consciousness, it's all that consciousness has. However, for source, source doesn't care, right? Because source is going to, you know, for it in the same way that you have, you make thousands of, you know, inhales and exhales on a daily basis, and you don't really care, you know, which breath happened before or after what other breath, you don't count your breaths, in other words. From the perspective of source, the aspect of breathing is important. But what breath came before what other breath is not, right? And because source consciousness is everything and nothing, right? It does not concern itself with the construct of time because it's infinite. It's all and everything at the same time, right? So it doesn't need to concern itself with well, how much time will I be this individualized self in between the in-breath and the out-breath before I come back into unity? That is not how source thinks. That is not how source perceives things, right? So it has no use for the construct and the concept of time at all. What source is concerned with is the absence and presence of things. In other words, is there a desire? What is this desire? And can I have the object of that desire manifested, right? Or for instance, as it looks like a at a particular aspect of itself, right? It could look at a particular soul, for instance, right? A soul would be an aspect of source and would be like, okay, soul, you know, I'm interested in this moment in time in the absence and presence of things within you, right? Like it would be looking at that soul's experience. It may be looking at how many incarnations the soul has gone through. It may look at all the karma that the soul has accumulated, etc., etc. It is not interested in a particular timeline and what happened for that soul before or after the other thing. It is not interested in the sequence of how that soul was going about getting those experiences or getting that karma. It is more inter interested in the result and the outcome of those actions, right? So source is a consciousness that optimizes for result. It does not optimize for tr keeping track of the timelines, if that makes sense. Now, as an individual particle of source, you are going to be cognizant of a construct that we could refer to as time. But the only reason that would be relevant and meaningful to you is only in the context of when was that point in time, quote unquote, that we as conscious, individual consciousnesses, in, individual sparks of consciousness, leave the unity of source? And when will we roughly get back into unity? 
because that it you know that aspect of existence has meaning for you because you would know how much quote unquote time you have in order to go about your you know like series of incarnations and you you know sets of desires etc etc right so you would still care but from their position of source source does not care source cares that you exist that you are individualized that it knows what you are and that you know itself right again the presence of absence or absence of results source does not care how many incarnations you've lived blah 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 it doesn't care how many times you got something wrong as long as you get it right in the end if that makes sense right that is the difference in perception between the unity that is source and the separation that is you an individual cell within that grander organism now okay this was hard to explain you guys i hope you understood what i was saying this is very high level. We're going to bring it down a notch. Kind of my favorite. Because now we're going to be talking about the construct of time within the matrix. Okay. I checked in with the architect of the matrix prior to doing this. Um, because I wanted you know, to figure out a way how to best explain this to you. This is going to get a little complicated. A little complicated. But maybe less complicated than talking source less complicated right so good news here here's the deal the construct of time was created as part of the process of creating the matrix there were two constructs that were created construct of space and construct of time that is why this reality of the matrix is called time space reality or space time continuum whichever way you want to go the esoteric way or the physics way, it's still the same continuum, it's still the same reality. Essentially, these are the only two sets of coordinates. And that is exactly how I want you to think about it. Space and time are two sets of coordinates that essentially say everything that needs to be said from the perspective of the architect about where you are today as a being. So when the matrix was created, and by the way, there are many versions of the matrix and there will be, there have been many and there will be many, many more. The matrix is an artificial construct and, and it was created because source had a desire to have an artificial system where individual particles of source energy could go to experience themselves and other particles, right? So it's kind of like this grand, I don't know, melting pot of energies, thoughts, ideas, constructs, and an artificial system that would enable, again, particles to understand themselves and understand each other very, very well. Now, here is the part of the matrix that we have not discussed. And maybe we should, because you guys are going deep with your questions and I'm loving it. I am truly, truly loving the level of discourse on this planet and how deep you guys are willing to go. And I'm loving it. Okay. There have been many ways to skin the cat. In other words, the matrix as a construct is an ever evolving construct. Now, it evolves on its own. And also, when it cannot no, when it can no longer evolve, the architect of the matrix collapses the old one, puts up a new one, right? And, 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 and the story goes on, you know? The show must go on. 
Now, here's where it gets a little complicated, right? Or actually, before we go in there, well, how do I explain this? So that you guys, so it makes sense to you. Maybe I'll repeat it twice. So the construct of space and time was created by the grand architect of the matrix. So that when your soul descends into the matrix, it could place you exactly where you want it to go. Let me repeat that in, in slightly, slightly uh, of a different framework. When prior to incarnating, you decide everything about your, you know, looming incarnation. You decide where you're going to be born, what gender, you know, what challenges, everything. Who you are, what you are, what kind of parents, you know, what kind of um, um, ancestral energies you're going to be born into, everything, the whole nine yards. Now, what we haven't discussed, right? And that is where the concept of time is going to start feeling artificial for you, is this. You could select right now, right? At any point, like imagine your soul is in planning mode right now. And we're imagine we're just taking planet Earth. You could select right now to come onto planet Earth at the time of the dinosaurs as a consciousness. You could essentially right now decide that you want to come as a dinosaur. You could decide that you want to come and be born in the year 2000. Or you could decide, you know, that you want to be born in the year 10,000, you know, so 8,000 years from now. And so you decide two things, the when you want to be born and the where you want to be born. The when you want to be born is the time continuum. The where you want to be born is the space continuum. Is this starting to make sense? Right? In other words, from the perspective of soul, right? You can be birthed or born in the past, present, or future. And that is an interesting distinction. I hope your minds are processing this fine. And, you know, I'm like looking at the human collective. You guys are a a little wobbly around that. Just like you're not fully getting it yet. That's fine. We're, we're, um, you know, we're still working through this. We're still working through this. And here's where this, you know, and, and that is why. You know, the great architect needed the two sets of coordinates, the when and the where, to be able to place your stream of consciousness, your projection of your higher self in the exact right sector of the matrix. Now, the past, present, and future, as far as the matrix is concerned, all exist simultaneously. The way I want you to think about it, you can think of time even as linear, right? And you can think of the history of planet Earth from the inception of the history of planet Earth to its imminent destruction at one point in the future, right? You guys do know that at one point planet Earth is going to be destroyed, right? I hope that's not like a big, big, you know, aha moment. Because every single thing that gets birthed also will eventually die. Everything that has the beginning has the end. Thank you, The Matrix movie, right? In the same way that your individual consciousness at one point had a birth, it will one point go back to oneness, right? Which can be considered death or it can be considered unity. Either way, right? Everything that has a beginning has an end. So if you think of your planet, right? 
and its lifetime as a continuum from, say, year zero to year one trillion something, right? From the perspective of the architect, it exists in its linear place. In other words, the systems architect that created the matrix can drop you into any of the time, anywhere on the timeline, whether it's year zero, year 500, year 3000, it doesn't really care, you know, it can drop you anywhere, right? So again, it only needs two sets of coordinates, the when and the where, right? So essentially when incarnating on a particular planet, you decide the when, and then you also decide where, you know, you want to be born in Russia, you want to be born in, I don't know, um, Spain or Atlantis or Lemuria or Hyperborea or, you know, what have you. Another future, but potentially maybe like a future civilization that um, is not yet the realm of a human collective, right? You get to decide that. Now, the systems architect can drop you anywhere. It is not any easier or harder for the systems architect to do that. And that is where we get to the concept of the how does the matrix work, right? In the more in-depth framework. Now, there are many ways to look at this very robust, very intricate system. What would be helpful for us today is the concept of movies or the concept of tapes. You know, like the, the old school tape, like videotape recorders, right? They had these videotapes that they, they would have movies like pre-recorded. Interestingly enough, the matrix is not that far from the concept of, of different movies. So essentially every soul is a player, right? Movies are maybe video games. Uh, every soul is a player, not really a spectator, not really a spectator, a player, right? So imagine, right, that when the great systems architect was creating the system, it needed to create a system that would essentially be a little bit of everything for everyone, right? So it's a very robust system. And the way that that was accomplished is through creating multiple um, games or multiple um, virtual reality entities, right? That all had a storyline. Now, we're not going to go too deeply into how those are set up, right? Um, but essentially, every universe is like a large videotape with every galaxy having like a subtape and then every planet having a sub sub tape if that makes sense right and essentially there are three kinds of three major ones three buckets um, of games or virtual reality um, experiences that have been created and that is where we get into again dense territory so bear with me and we're almost on the other end you know we're almost like it's gonna start making sense in a quick second I promise we're almost there there are three types of games that exist the first type of game is a predestined game. It is a game where point A, point B, point C, everything is kind of already been predetermined. So you can think of it as like, like, I don't know. Do you guys have like a favorite movie? I don't know. Like the Lord of the Rings. Like if you guys like the Lord of the Rings or whatever that is, the Titanic, like, I don't know, the Avatar, whatever your favorite movie is, right? Like you've all seen the movie, right? Like if that's your favorite movie, I'm assuming you've seen that movie more than one time, right? So you essentially know where the movie begins, where the movie ends, you know, all the main characters, like you kind of know the storyline, right? 
So there have been created by the great architect this virtual reality games that are completely predetermined. So as a soul, as a soul, you get to only play a character, but you kind of know what that character is supposed to do. In other words, there's uh, those are quite deterministic. Those systems are quite deterministic, right? So you kind of know that if you wanted to play the role of Frodo or Gandalf or what have you, a Samwise Gamgee, whatever your role is, right? That role is kind of already predetermined. So that script has already been written. In other words, you know that Frodo is going to have to go to Mordor, carry the ring, you know, throw it in the Mount Doom. And that is essentially the storyline. Now, like that is a deterministic world. In other words, once you descend into that world, right, with the tag Frodo, you're going to be pulled in, into a particular scenario, right? In other words, you're going to be forced. It's, it's, it's kind of like you have very little control around the choices that you make, right? And as, you know, as a part of that, you don't really have free will. So you're being pulled into all of these things. It's kind of like, yeah, like it's almost like a magnetism, right? So that outcome is going to magnetize you as a player towards the outcome, However, you're still going through that experience. In other words, you're still experiencing the full spectrum of emotions and thoughts and energetic um, swings as you're going through that experience, right? But you don't necessarily determine the scenario. You don't necessarily write the script. That is the first type of game that exists in the world, in the universe. On the flip side of it, there is a game that I would call an open-ended game. In other words, that is the absolute opposite scenario of a deterministic game. As in, there are many players that are predetermined and you know, like, okay, you know, for instance, if, um, um, I don't know, let, let's use the analogy of uh, the Lord of the Rings, only like um, flip it on its head a little bit, right? So there are some main characters, right? Like there is Frodo and there is Sam and then there is Gollum and whatnot, but, but, Nobody knows outside of the fact that, you know, there is a ring, there is Sauron, you know, there's a storyline. Nobody really knows what's going to transpire. You know, nobody really actually truly knows who the main characters are because in a non-deterministic system, in a non-deterministic VR game, there are new players that emerge all the time. And one of these players may as well proved to be the main leading character, more so than Frodo Baggins, if that makes sense, right? So this is kind of like a world of mayhem. And those worlds are extremely hard to control. Like it's literally, uh, it's it's like a rapid fire type of like very non, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's essentially chaotic, right? Is how I would describe it, right? It's a very chaotic system. Now, because it's a very chaotic system, it's really, really hard to plan your incarnations in that type of system. Because frankly, it's a gamble. You don't know what kind of experiences you're signing up for. Like the only thing that you can control is your avatar. In other words, you know, are you coming as a male, female, or both, or like androgynous or what have you? You know, how, what kind of skills you're going to have? What is the card? Like, what is that original hand that you're dealt? And maybe you can try to determine like the North Star and like what this incarnation is supposed to be like to um, result in. But you really don't know what's going to happen in the in-between. Now, I've seen pretty amazing 
learnings come out of this scenario, but I've also seen a, a whole lot of souls waste a whole lot of time in this time in this types of like random chaotic worlds because it's it's just really hard to plan anything, and that's why the learning uh, becomes almost unintentional. It's like a game of chance, right? And the game of chance is really not the most, shall I say, strategic way to live. And now the third type of uh, reality, uh, you know, and then there are some variants within that is um, the, the reality that I would call free will. So when I say this is a free will universe, you know that you're playing this third type of game. Free will universe is the universe where um, there is a timeline and there is a script, but it is a somewhat loose script. And the reason it is a loose script is because it factors in the free will of people but it also does have a timeline. So essentially it's the merge of the two. It's the merge of com complete control and complete chaos, right? And now within this, this is like the largest group of virtual reality games that exist today uh, because it has been proven empirically through experience that very deterministic games and then very chaotic games don't result in the best possible outcomes for, you know, for the souls involved, right? So a lot of the virtual reality games that exist, exist in this middle state or this balanced state or this more harmonious state where yes, there is a script and then there is a playbook, but, but there's also some free will involved. Now, what is interesting, and I don't wanna blow your minds terribly, but um, if there is a script, right? And there are roles, um, I don't know, like imagine like there one script exists and it's essentially like the Pride and Prejudice novel by Jane Austen, you know. There are characters, main characters. Um, and, you know, somebody is Elizabeth Bennet and somebody is Mr. Darcy. Pardon my analogy, but I'm just really trying to make it home for you, bring it home for you guys. There have been many players that look to the Pride, Pride and Prejudice as a virtual reality game and have chosen to incarnate as both Elizabeth and as Mr. Darcy. So if anybody asks you, how the hell is it possible that when we go into past life regression, there are all these people that are Napoleon and Alexander the Great. Part of the reason why, well, this is not the only reason, but one of the reasons why is you guys are all playing the same goddamn virtual reality game. And you, some of you have come as the same character. If that makes any sense. Many of you may have chosen to come as the same character more than once. And that is where we get to the time-space construct. Time is a very, very necessary dimension, but it's really a marker. Time is a marker. Because if time did not exist, it would be very hard to keep track of the movie. In the same way when you're watching a movie, right? And you need to stop to grab a bite, to go to the kitchen, like, I don't know, make yourself some coffee or tea, what have you, you're stopping it. And you know whether you stopped at minute two, two minute 36 seconds, or you know if you stopped at two hours and 30 seconds, right? And it is very important for you to keep track of where you stopped so there's continuity. Now, same thing here, right? If somebody wants to come and experience being Alexander the Great, right, in this game of life, that we call planet Earth. They need to descend into, you know, this time-space reality at a particular time when Alexander the Great was born, right? So in other words, 
the great architect needs a marker or a demarcation on this big continuum that this game is so that it drops souls at the exact quote-unquote time really or technically at the exact same place right right but the place right is not just geographically right obviously alexander the great needs to be born in a particular locale because alexander the great was born in a particular space like place right particular city particular country particular coordinates geographical coordinates however he was also born in a particular time so no he was not born during the, uh, the 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 time of the big bang and no he wasn't born during the time of the dinosaurs and no he wasn't born during the um I don't know, the presidency of Barack Obama, he was born at a particular time. And that is just a set of coordinates. So in order to locate that place within the history, right, you need this construct of time. That is not the only reason, but that is one of the main reasons why that construct was created by the great architect. Is essentially, right, that way we could really uh, optimize this game of playing and replaying different scenarios with different souls inhabiting the same characters, if that makes sense, right? Because if time did not exist, if those markers did not exist, we wouldn't know if we stopped at two minutes or two hours to 32 hours, right? And it would have been a much, much harder reality to navigate. Now, I know this has been a lot because essentially, I think I may have just blown your mind by telling you that no time is not terribly linear, right? Because by the way, you can go into the past and the present and the future. And that is why this is so confusing. Here's, here's, can I just address something real quick? When people think of future lives, what they think is this. They're like, oh, I don't know what my future life is going to be. The future life, they think very linearly, right? For example, if you're right now in the year 2000, you think that if you were born in the year 3000 or 4000 or 5000 or what have you, it would be a quote unquote future life. But that is not the case. That is not the case, right? Your future life, you know, maybe happened 10,000 lifetimes ago for you. Or for, what I mean by that is you may have incarnated in year 5000 and 10,000 and 7000 so many lifetimes ago and only right now you're choosing to incarnate in the year 2000 or like the, in the right now, right? Now, of course, from the limited perspective, the lives that are in the historical future compared to today based on the marker of time could be construed future lives. But from the position of your soul, those are past lives because they've already happened, right? As if this needed to get any more confusing. And from the perspective of source, there are present lives because they already exist, if that makes sense, right? In other words, time as a construct, I think just requires a lot of open-mindedness. It just requires you to be open-minded because it's all relative. And that is, thank you, Einstein, relativity, the theory of relativity, extremely important. The reason it is relevant is because, A, not only does it flow very differently for different beings, right? It would flow extremely differently for source consciousness versus a systems architect, versus you, versus an older soul, versus a younger soul, 
you know, a bigger organism versus a smaller organism, the organism that moves faster versus an organism that moves slower, right? Time would flow extremely, extremely different, right? So that is why time can really only be fully comprehended from the perspective of one being at a time. No pun intended, right? So from that perspective, it's a lot easier to understand the construct of time if we just took one consciousness and explained how time works for that one consciousness. Because there is no objective truth that is time. Because time is only a marker of this time-space reality. It is only a set of coordinates that is meant to be the bookmark, that is meant to help you find the place, you know, in the vastness of existence. But it's not really meant to provide much else than that, right? That is why it is artificial, if that makes sense, right? Okay, I hope I did not confuse you too much by explaining to you the three types of virtual reality games that exist, right? Um, I think that we could probably make an episode just on that alone. But I felt that was really, really relevant based on the fact that we started talking about time, right? Now, I do think it's dangerous to think that everything only happens in the now and the now is the only thing that matters. While... I do relate to that concept from the position of the only thing you can truly impact is the now, right? We cannot discard the fact that there are two things that are weighing down heavily on you now, and that is your past and that is your future, right? At any point in time, at any point in time, all of your past Let's call them anchors, right? Whether that is past lives or experiences from this particular incarnation that you have would determine not just your present, but also your future, right? So you have the past to contend with, right? That impacts you now. But you also have the future you are living into, right? What does that mean? So essentially in the worlds that are um, free will-based worlds, right? The worlds such as this one. Um, the universe is such as this one. Um, they are the opposite, like they're not as chaotic as the world where, you know, essentially there are no rules, no scripts, n- nothing, you know. So these types of worlds, they're a little bit more deterministic. And um, essentially what is um, interesting about the, the these types of worlds is... Um, because there is free will, uh, on the one hand, the future is not determined, right? On the one hand, meaning anything is anything can happen, anything is fair game, because at any point in time, there exists unlimited versions of that future, unlimited potentialities of what it could what, what could transpire based on the free will of not only just one entity, one organism, but all of these organisms combined. However, however, um, your present determines your future and your past determines your present. In other words, your past determines your future. And what I mean by that is what your emanations are at this point in time would most likely determine your future. In other words, most people travel within lifelines, right? Your lifeline is essentially a path that has the same vibrational frequency from beginning to end, right? So it's it's almost like, I don't know, if it was a color, it would be like one consistent color, 
right? Like I think colors is like a really good analogy. You can think of the path as blue or the path as green or whatever. So your current emanations determine your future reality, right? So at any point in time, there would be almost like a vector um, or like a path drawn from your present moment to a future moment in time, which essentially would be death, right? Because you, you guys do know that the, the end game here is death, which is fine. I'm not saying this in a morbid, morbid like way. And by the way, death may be the best thing that ever happened to you guys once you actually get there. But this is not the episode about death. Um, that being said, you know, there is a default future that you're living into. There is a lifeline. The concept of lifelines exist because the great architect that built the system is a great mathematician. And the great mathematicians like solving equations. And essentially, one of the more fun equations for, the math, for, for this mathematician to solve for is where you're going to end up based on your coordinates today. Where are you going to, and by coordinates, I mean your vibrations, right? So at any point in time, that default future that you're living into already exists. But not only that. So essentially, there are multiple versions of your future that exist in this multiverse reality. Um, so when you're doing the quantum healing techniques, or sometimes like there are these quantum techniques where you're meeting your future self or meeting your ideal future self, A, just be careful who you're meeting with because there are many versions of you in the future. Very often, unless you specify it, when you're doing this practice, you're going to be talking to, to the default future version of you, which by the way, may not be the most optimized version of you. And by the way, may not be the version of you that you even want to learn anything from. Essentially, your most default future self is the being, right? That is essentially an older version of you on this particular timeline. Most people, though, to be fair, stay within the particular timeline because most people are not in a position to fundamentally shift their vibrations. Most people are asleep. Let's start there, right? Most people are unaware of how the universe slash the matrix works. All they want is to, I don't know, just come home after work, watch Netflix movies and do this again, uh, you know, rinse and repeat, right? That's most people. So most people actually just live in the fold in, into the default version of their future. Now, um, when you create a desire towards something, especially if that desire is strong, that version of your future gets automatically created in the matrix, right? So that is, you know, potentially if you've, you know, for instance, if you want to be a millionaire, there is a version of you in the future that already has become one. Not because it's a very likely path, but because through the virtue of your desire of becoming a millionaire, there is created a path or a vector that connects your present to that potential future, right? And that is, again, because I think that um, this is kind of like, the reason that I'm, I'm, I'm telling you about this is because I think that this is also quite a very important aspect of time. Right, that can get very, very fuzzy. Essentially, if you're looking backwards, right? If you're looking backwards, uh, the, the look backwards is a lot more deterministic than the look forward, right? Because from your perspective, you remember only one past. Now, by the way, there have been many pasts, right? So part of it is perception also. But at any point in time, there exists many versions of your past and many versions of your future. But I think it would be a complete misrepresentation of energy to say that you only live in the now and nothing else matters. Because that would imply that there is no karma 
and there is no debt, so to say, that you collect via your actions. And that would also imply that there is no timelines and lifelines and that you're not living into a particular default version of the future. By the way, the default version of your future does impact your present because, again, everything exists in the now on some level of existence, right? That is not an incorrect statement. But the reason that is true for any individual person, for any individual, you know, for every one of you, is your default future, right? Your default future is going to impact your present because it's almost like a magnetic, you know, there's like magnetism that your default future has. In other words, unless you work really hard at changing it, you're going to be magnetized to that default version of your future. And only if you work really, really hard and, you know, run as, as fast as you can, can you change that, if that makes sense, right? But again, everything always happens in the now. So your, you know, past wounds exist right now, you know, or don't exist right now. So the moment you work through them, they stop existing, right? Again, like this is that concept of the result and the outcome, right? And your default future exists right now and you're walking into it, make no mistake. Okay, this was dense. Um, I feel like you guys are, like whoever lasted this long with me, I commend you because you guys are true troopers. And I really just wanted to compliment you on being fully committed to your personal evolution and trying to understand the world um, the way it was constructed. I wanted to take a couple of questions from the collective. Um, anything that you've been curious about, um, you know, around the concept of past, present, future, um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be so lofty. It can be just, you know, something that is a little bit more down to earth. Just feel free to ask me and I will, I'll be happy to respond. Um, by the way, um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, if the collective has a question, anybody just raise your hand and, you know, I'll take the question and then I will spell it back for the listeners of this podcast as well. All right, I'm ready to take the question. Oh, this one is an interesting one. Okay, um, the question is, essentially, um, I think the person, the person is a little bit confused uh, about the past because um, there is a version of the past that the person remembers, you know, like, you know, their memories and their memories that have one version of the past. But then, um, you know, essentially there is a recurring dream that has that past um, uh, essentially the, being very different, right? So in that, in that version of the dream, what the person remembers happened actually didn't happen, right? And so they were living another version of the past, but it's a recurring dream. And so at this point, this person does not even know what's real and what's not real uh, anymore because um, essentially they've lived a particular experience once, but that recurring dream, they've had that experience many, many times. So uh, the question is, how come this is happening, right? Uh, and, you know, the soul is wondering if there is anything wrong with them. And essentially, what does this mean? You know, what does it mean to have a recurring dream of something that you don't remember even happening to you? So what you're experiencing actually is, is a very classical... Um, a manifestation of the multiverse, right? So at any point in time when you make a choice in your life, you're not choosing one outcome, you actually are choosing both outcomes. Like you're choosing the left and the right, the black and the white, you know, the 
um, all of it. You're choosing both essentially, or if there are more than two choices, you're choosing all of them. But you're just cognizant of one and not the other. Very often when, um, you know, as you progress with time, one of your past lines, like, like one of these choices is shaping up to be the default version of your past that brought you to this point. In very rare instances, there is more than one path um, that is considered to be valuable for an individual. So what you're actually sensing is you, um, essentially you're um, a very intuitive being, right? Um, your vibrations are very high. So you're maneuvering between the two timelines, the one that you remember happening and the parallel lifetime. Um, what most likely is going to happen for you is both of these versions are going to be saved up in the Akashic Record field. In other words, both of these are true. So you're not going crazy. That is a very important distinction to make. You're not going crazy. Uh, it is just how, you know, sometimes when the, the timelines start manifesting themselves and, and, and you're becoming more, like your vibrations rise, um, it's, it's really hard to um, separate um, like dream state from like reality in certain cases and I think this is definitely the case for you in other words don't worry both of these exist both of these provide valuable learnings and um, essentially you're just getting a glimpse into like how the universe works maybe more so than than some of some some other folks um, all right um, let me take one more question anything about time anything you wanted to talk about time and anything that you wanted to ask about um, past, present, future, I'm ready to receive a question. Okay, interesting. Um, so the concept of the deja vu. Um, this soul is asking, what is the concept of the deja vu, you know, and, and how is this connected to time? Um, and, you know, what does it mean if, if you see deja vu? There is actually, a deja vu is a very, very interesting concept. It is, uh, there's not one reason that it happens. There are many reasons why deja vus happen. I'll just give you some of the common ones and then we can extrapolate what that means for you. Uh, the reason number one is you are becoming um, uh, more psychic. So your vibrations are rising. And so essentially you're starting to see uh, and perceive things prophetically, right? Essentially you are able to, and that mostly by the way, happens if you're living into your default future. That is actually a very important distinction to make. If you're living in your default future, in other words, you're just traveling up one life, lifeline, instead of like jumping between the different lifelines. What ends up happening is your life becomes quite predictable. It's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. By the way, you may be on your most optimal lifeline and more power to you. But what I mean by that is like by saying your life becomes more predictable is things within one lifeline are quite predictable. So you're not jumping around a lot, right? And so if your vibrations are high, essentially your being knows what your future holds, right? Already, because your being already knows what the end destination of, of this lifeline is, right? So very often it would be sending you messages, right? And so those messages are prophetic, right? So like they may come in dreams or they may just like come as like a quick, you know, like picture, a quick word or what have you. And so, you know, you would be, uh, you would not be cognizant that you received the message. But once that um, action or like in the physical, like once that thing actually happens in the physical, it would trigger a memory that you have already seen this before. Now, by the way, by the way, 
um, our bodies, right, um, and the universe communicates to us all the time. They are communicating to us what we should expect when we make particular choices. You're not cognizant of that, but your body would communicate it to you. As you're making the choice, you know, your body would already be like, okay, if you choose one, this is what's going to happen. If you choose two, this is what's going to happen, right? Now, this is like the 25th frame. Like you, you're, you don't register that this is what happened. But, but, you know, for those of you like that are more sensitive and those of you with like, you know, the ones that have special abilities, you know, that display clairvoyance, clairaudience, they might, you know, might have more deja vu. And that is the reason, and the reason being is because you're just more cognizant of having seen this default future already in your head. And so when that happens, you just get confirmation. Oh yeah, like I've seen it before. That is one. There are other reasons why you may have deja vu that maybe are a little bit less kosher and don't really have to do, well, I guess they do have um, something to do with timelines. Um... The matrix is like a virtual reality system. So the virtual reality system uh, requires maintenance and upkeep like anything else. It requires in, in the same way, well, I don't know if you guys, how, how much you know uh, uh, with technology, but like sometimes software has that where like they, they're like, well, we're going to be offline for the next two hours because like our servers are going through maintenance. So servers need to go through maintenance. Uh, essentially, the matrix, this virtual reality is a large technological system that needs to go through maintenance um now obviously from your perspective there is continuity and because from your perspective there is continuity but maintenance still happens how does it happen um so essentially it um it happens through that concept of deja vu the deja vu is a moment in time when essentially the old version of uh, like the, the matrix prior to refactoring got switched off and then the new one got turned on, right? It's that in-between state. And so because of that, you, you should almost think of it as it's like two frames. One frame uh, of the movie got overlaid on another frame of the movie. And that creates the sense of I've seen this before. It's not that you've seen this before. It's that they took frame one and because they were looking for continuity, they took frame one twice because they, they wanted to optimize to not have like an in-between like gap, right? Because if you take frame zero and frame one, put them together, there there is like a minuscule gap in between the two. So very often when they're like patching the matrix up or, or sometimes when they upload the new version um, compared to the old one, they would just put frame one and they would stamp like one on top of the other. They would like glue frame one on top of frame one. And that it creates like a very noticeable shift in your perception that you're like, oh my God, I feel like I've seen this movie before. But you've actually just seen the same frame twice back to back. Does that make sense? But you just didn't realize that, right? You're like you see frame one and instead of frame two, you see frame one one more time and it creates that sense of recognition. So that is just maintenance work of the matrix. If that makes sense. You may also, the third the third reason that you may have deja vu is this. If there are multiple lifelines, multiple parallel lives that you're living, and in enough of these lifelines, the same exact thing happens. You may actually have memories of living through that on another parallel life in another parallel path. 
like if you've had the same exact conversation, the same exact person, what have you, you know, it might actually be a memory from a parallel life, if that makes sense, right? So any of those are possible. And yes, uh, from from that perspective, it does have to do with time space continuum. So I'm, I'm I'm happy that you've asked that question. Okay, I have time for one more. Anything that is related to the concept of time, past, present, or future, anything that you wanted to ask, I am happy to respond. As long as it serves the the, the human collective. I'm listening to the question. So the question is, you know, there are past life regressions or future life progressions, if you will, or regressions, right? So um, the question is, how is it determined? You know, what is the that pool of future lives? And how is it determined? You know, which ones are being shown to you? Actually, let me, uh, I, I like this question because I think it opens up some room for conversation. Uh, let me address this thing one more time. I, I kind of have, but I haven't. Um, what exists in the now, right, are the things that have already been manifested or have already happened. So in other words, if you have lived lives in the future, but you have already kind of completed those lives, those are going to be your future lives. That is essentially when you're doing a future life regression, essentially what you're looking at, and that is the biggest fallacy, is you're looking in this time-space continuum and you're just looking at that aspect of that time continuum that is forward-looking from you in, in terms of historical accuracy. Does that make sense, right? So essentially, if right now is year 2000, um, anything that's forward-looking, 2000 plus, would be considered a future life. Um, the reason, right, the reason that your future life is not any other life that your soul could live for the rest of eternity, the reason that is not the definition of the future life is this. And we're going back to that same concept of desire. So when your higher self decides to incarnate as something, that is a pretty instantaneous process. Like it can align with that lifetime very quickly. Now also, as you're being in this body incarnated, this time flies by like, I don't know, like the equivalent of three seconds for your higher self. So your higher self can align with that very, very quickly. However, your higher self creates desire all the time. So in other words, all the desires that your higher self has had by this point in time, all of those things have already happened. But there will be a multitude of future desires that your higher self has in the future. And those lives don't exist yet. So if source was looking at your higher self, it would not see those lives as being present. They would not even be a thing, right? Because there is no desire. And so that desire does not, you know, nothing was created yet, right? Because your higher self, first and foremost, is a creator or creatress, right? That being said, when you're looking at your future lives, all it is, all it is, are the lives that are in the future continuum as it relates to the historical, like the history of a planet, if that makes sense. 
right? Now, if you're seeing lives on other planets, that is possible. That is possible. In a future life, you can see a life on other planets. Between planets, there exists uh, correlations or correspondences, shall I say. So you should imagine like multiple, um, like if the history of everything from zero to a trillion years, you know, uh, was like almost like a lifeline, right? From And it's a linear thing, like it's a line, right? They would all be stacked under one another. So essentially all of these virtual reality games are stacked under one another. And so they're, you know, for consistency's sake, because if it's a library, like you, you guys have noticed that in the library, all the books are kind of like a similar size, right? Like with similar formats, right? Same thing here, right? All of these tapes, virtual reality tapes, are kind of the same format. And so there are correspondencies. So whatever point in time is designated as now, there is a correspondence for that point in time across all of the essentially all of the virtual reality tapes in existence right although how time is calculated and that reality might be different it would still have a correspondence to the today and now so one of the ways to think about it is to think of the moment in time right now as being the zero right so there is a correspondence of this zero coordinate of time continuum, you know, between different planets, right? So there would be like a zero correspondence to, you know, um, every planet essentially in the solar system. Then there would be like a correspondence or a correlation to a particular point in time um, for the Milky Way galaxy, the Andromeda galaxy, you know, all the neighboring galaxies, the universe, etc., etc. So it kind of just, you know, is being extrapolated from there, right? Now, they would all essentially, you know, it's not like a one-to-one -one correlation, right? But um, all of those markers exist, right? Again, because the great architect is a mathematician. Beyond anything, he likes law and order. And with that being said, um, you know, there is a demarcation. So everything essentially beyond that point in time would be considered the future and everything before that point of zero would be considered the past and that is essentially how the great architect navigates um um you know this reality so when you're doing a future life progression or regression however you want to think about it right it is managed by beings by guides who understand how this time space continuum works right so they're very smart beings that play by the rules right so um when you're trying to evoke a future life they would take you to a future as it relates to the set of coordinates that is the zero of right now if that makes sense okay I know this was a lot to process. I know this is a very, very dense topic. I honestly commend you for sticking around this long. Um, I, yeah, I think that, you know, from my perspective, I would love to dive um, deep into these subjects, into these topics for, um, you know, as long as you guys are interested and as long as you have questions, um, I'm happy to answer. Now, you know, one of the quicker ways probably to reach out to me is via Instagram. Um, I am on um, This Is Maria Official, uh, and Maria is spelled with a Y, so M-A-R-I-Y-A, -A. so feel free to drop me a DM or just a comment on, you know, a video or a post, and who knows, maybe this will be the inspiration for one of the next episodes. Either way, I'm sending you a big, big, big virtual hug. 
I hope you're all staying, um, you know, optimistic, safe, and, um, you know, hungry <laughs> for knowledge, etc. And, you know, I'll, I'll see you in a future episode. Um, have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please visit thisismaria.com for more insights and offerings from Maria and Sergey. It is T-H-I-S-I-S-M-A-R-I-Y-A.com. We hope to see you in future episodes.